In a life full of turmoil, it wasn't strange when Becky's sister would go through long stretches of not contacting family. However, the one thing Becky and her family could count on was the annual Father's Day phone call from her sister. But when those stopped, something fell off. I'm Renee Nelson, and this is Unsolved Wyoming. The story of Kim Novak is probably one of the heaviest cases I've covered. And this interview is like none I've ever done before. In this segment, I talk with Becky, Kim's sister, and Heather, Kim's niece. Becky does most of the talking, but Heather is a huge part of Kim's story because of her role in advocating for Kim's case. And to make this case even more unique, Becky sent a recording of her phoning a medium, which will be played after my interview with Becky and Heather. All right, folks, I am on today with Heather and Becky. Can you please tell me what your relationship is with Kim Novak? Kim Novak was my older sister. And Kim Novak and Kimberly Allen, I guess as would be known, there is my aunt. Becky, what what was your birth order between you and your sister? So I was the youngest. And then six years later, we had a sister, Gina. And then two, year later, two years later was Kim. And then two years before that, um, my mom had a, a daughter named Kathy. Okay. All right. So it sounds like you had quite the sisterhood going on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so what, what was kind of the dynamic between you and Kim? So, of course, since there was so, such an age gap there, I was always the tag along. And they hated taking me with them. <laughs> oh. But our parents were divorced. I don't ever remember my parents being married. And Kim and Gina went to live with my dad and myself and my oldest sister, Kathy, lived with my mom. But we were together every weekend. My dad would pick us all up and we'd spend the weekends with my dad. And so I got to see my oldest sisters every weekend and on the holidays and all, all during the summer. Okay, so so even though lives you know separately during the week, it sounds like you stayed very close because of those weekend visits. Correct. And so, what was Kim like as a child? Uh, Kim was with my dad. My dad was not a discipliner, so Kim and Gina got to run quite a bit. And unfortunately, Kim couldn't make good decisions. And if there was trouble to be found, Kim got herself into it. You know, she just ran with the wrong crowd. Uh, she was a follower, but she was a, a great person. I mean, if, you know, she was there for me when I was younger, you know, she took on the mother role at my dad's house and made sure that, you know, I had food to eat, clean clothes. And I mean, she was good for me when I was there. And so she wanted out, wanted to get away and live her own life. Yeah, that, that can be that can be really hard stepping into such a mature role at a young age. 
And so it sounds, you know, kind of alluding to that. What were some of, what do you remember some of, of Kim's ambitions as she was younger? In the rodeo team and they do their, their horses every weekend. And, and then when Kim got older, she went into, worked at the flower shops. She loved plants. She loved flowers. She did the flowers for my wedding when I got married and she was a, a, a good person. She loved family, but like I said, she just made bad choices. She was a follower and that's what her downfall was that, you know, if she couldn't make a good decision, she'd get up on her feet make some good decisions for a while, but then she just revert back to running with the wrong crowd. And it seemed like that's the way it was every, you know, from, from me growing up until she disappeared. Right. Cause it sounds like she had some positive outlets in her life, such as the rodeo team and taking care yeah. of horses and obviously flowers. Oh my gosh. I think my, dream you know I say when I grow up right and so at 35 when I grow <laughs> up you know is to own a flower shop that you know also sells books and also sells you know soap and all that fun stuff and so but what a fun well, opportunity well, she, she worked at a couple different flower shops in Helena and she loved it I mean she loved doing the flowers and then when she was doing what she was had her flower job she was doing great in life but then something would come up and she would just go off track again I was to get married and Kim was to do my flowers and Kim disappeared and we're like, well, is she going to come do my flowers? And like, am I going to have flowers at my wedding or what? And sure enough, Kim, if she told you something, she would keep her word and she got back, did my flowers and we had a great wedding. Wow. So she kind of showed up at the 11th hour there. Correct. Oh, but, and how stressful to you, your yeah. wedding. <laughs> oh, but no. you know, that's, we got, that's how we got. We knew Kim, if she said she was going to do something, she would do it. So it might be at the last minute, but she would come through for us. So so kind of leading into my next question about what are some of your favorite things about Kim? It sounds as though keeping her word is definitely one of those things. Yeah, she was, I mean, she was, if she told you something, she would do the best to keep her word. And um, she was just. She was there for me. She was there for my sister, my dad. She loved her. Her She had two beautiful daughters. She loved them. She had a son. And when she was with her girls, that's, you know, when she was her happiest, it seemed like. She loved being a mom, but, you know, she had her troubles, too. As you have touched on, it sounds like Kim started getting into a little bit of trouble. What can you tell us about that? was in her teens. She got herself into some trouble. And so they put her in the girls school out in Helena. Cause that's where we lived was Helena. And she ran away from there. And it was just before her 18th birthday that she ran away and she was always running away. So my parents decided, well, she, she'll be 18 in a couple months. Why bring her back and put her there when she's just going to run again. So they let her go. And she was with Tom Allen. That's the father of her two girls samantha and shay she they were over in i think it was south dakota i believe that's where tom was from they were in oregon and she ended up having samantha um and she came home for my grandfather's funeral and she was doing great um and then my sister passed away and then tom and kim came back moved back to helena and that's where Shay was born. And shortly after Shay was born, Tom and Kim split up. And 
Kim, you know, stuck around Helena, dated a few guys here and there, and was in a pretty serious relationship with Mark. And then Mark got a job down in Wyoming. I don't know what he was doing down in Wyoming. For some reason, I want to think it was in an oil field. Um, and Kim would go down on the weekends and see Mark. And then I got married and had my son. And Kim came up to the hospital and seen me in the hospital when I had my son. She was under the influence. Uh, she was drinking. And I I don't know if it was just drinking or if it was drinking and drugs. But that was the last we seen of her. She took off. And a couple weeks later, my mom received a phone call from a distant relative and said that the distant relative was telling my mom that she had had the girls for a couple weeks. Kim had not come back for them. And if my mom didn't come get the girls, that they were going to be turned over to Child Protective Services. So, of course, my mom went into Helena and picked up the girls and had the girls for quite some time. And then we ended up, when my mom and dad divorced, there was a trust fund set up that it came due and Kim came back from Wyoming with Peter to collect her money and wanted to take the girls back. And my mom would not let her take the girls back because Child Protective Services had was involved. They set up a meeting with Kim and Kim met the girls at the courthouse in Boulder and visited with them and said that she was going to clean herself up and she's going to take the girls back. Well, in between that and the next visit, we received the money and Kim and Peter took off back to Wyoming. And that's the last time that I seen Kim was on the porch at my house. She come uh, to talk to me and meet my son and then she took off to Wyoming. And it wasn't odd for Kim to take off and be gone for periods of time, but she would always keep in touch with family. And we figured that she wasn't keeping in touch because she was upset because the girls got taken away from her. Right. Right. And, and that would make sense. That would, I mean, that would make sense that she would be upset about that. And then the last time I heard from Kim, she had called my dad's house in Helena and I was there helping my dad. It was um, in February of, uh, I think it was like 89 that she had called and wanted to talk to my dad. And unfortunately there was a train that had, came loose and came down through Helena and exploded at Carroll college and all the power was out and we had, were raising, you know, cattle and everything. And our waterers were freezing up because there was no power. It was like 40 below. And again, Kim was under the influence and I told her, well, you know, I'm sorry, Kim, you, you know, I can't get him. He's out, out in the yard with the cattle. And, you know, she just said, well, I just was calling to tell him I love you. And I, tell him that I love him. And, um, she knew that I was pregnant because last time I seen her, I told her, well, I was pregnant again. And she said, well, did you have your baby? And I said, yeah, I had a little girl. And she said, oh, well, you always have the perfect family. And I said, far from it, but (laughs) call back and talk to dad, you know, in a little while. And we never heard from her again. And that was February of 89. Yep. So she breaks up with, with Tom and then she starts, you know, and then she goes with this man, Mark. That's how she ends up in Wyoming. And then in comes Peter and you, 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 you touched on him. And so tell me 
about the kind of the timeline and what we have with where we you kind of suspect something's going on with Kim after 89. So he's calling me and he's like, so have you heard from Kim? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And he's like, well, did you know that she has a son? And I'm thinking, okay, what kind of scam are you guys trying to pull now? Because if Kim would have had a baby, she would have been calling us and telling us that she had a baby. Right. He said, well, yeah, she had a little a little boy, Anthony, but I didn't, Peter did not want to have kids. So he took, I don't know if they went, took the baby or if um, Peter's older brother and sister-in-law come to Kimber, Wyoming to pick up the baby. But Kim did have a baby December 2nd in 1988. So I was, I wasn't really, I wasn't, I didn't believe Peter when he's calling me and telling me this. And then he tells me that Kim took it really hard when he told her that he didn't want that baby and that they were going to give it away, that it was the best for the baby to give it to his brother and sister because they couldn't have children. Kim took it real hard. So him and Peter split up is what Peter told me. And then he said that he was concerned for Kim because he hadn't seen her around town and that she was living with Ron Tucker. And he went over to Ron Tucker's house to check on Kim. And Kim's car was parked there and all of her stuff was in the house. But Kim wasn't there and the carpets had been removed from the house. And so he was concerned that something had happened to Kim. And he told me that he was calling me because he wanted me to file a missing persons report. Because the police would not allow him to file a missing persons report because he wasn't family which now I know that's not correct. And, you know, I really didn't believe what he was telling me because I thought if Kim had a baby, she would have called. And then sometime later, uh, Peter's sister-in-law and brother were passing through Helena and contacted me and asked me if I wanted to meet the little boy. And I'm like, what in the heck? This family is really trying to pull something over here. And at first I said, no, I didn't want to meet him. And then my heart just kept telling me, if you don't do it, you're never going to know. And so I called him back and I said, yes, I'll meet you. So we met and Anthony is Kim. There's no doubt in my heart that Anthony is not Kim's child because he looks just like his youngest sister, Shay. Gosh. And so, yeah. So if she had him in December of 88 and had called you, you know, had called your dad's house in February of 89 and was obviously under the influence. Do you think she didn't mention it because she was so upset about giving the baby away? I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. she was heartbroken. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. What a, what a hard thing to have to do. What a hard thing to have to do. And, and, you know, and did she really give him away? Willingly. Willingly. I right. yes, I don't, that's something that goes through my mind. I don't know. Yeah. Ugh. And so because and to kind of clear up some chatter that we see, you know, I, I shared with you and, and I'm sure you and, and Heather have seen it too on web sleuths and everything like that. There's this huge misconception that there was like a weird custody issue between no. Peter and right. And so no. it, it didn't even exist. Right. Right. Peter went on to go get married and uh, had his own family later on and is now deceased. And so but Kim and, and Peter had 
obviously, as you said, let Anthony go to uh, no, his... no, that's Tom that went on. Tom. Yeah, Tom was the girl's father. Tom and was he, the girl's father. Yeah, and that's what they said. Well, you know, probably the father had something to do with it. Well, Tom is the one that left Kim. Right. And Kim would have stayed with Tom, but Tom left her, got remarried, and has a had another child and and is deceased now so tom had nothing to do with it right so so you know so there's not this ugly custody thing that people talk chatter up around on the internet and 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 peter and kim kind of parted ways on on this issue of giving away anthony right so that has nothing to do with anything of, of kim's disappearance and so we move forward so 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 peter gets involved message you know calls you and says hey this is what's going on you start looking into this when i want to say that her oldest daughter came to visit me in christmas of 2011 and we were talking about her mom and she was questioning you know why did she leave us girls you know why did she abandon us and didn't she love us and I assured her that she loved those girls, that she didn't leave them. She just had some problems and that she did love her children. I asked her, I said, well, do you want me to, you know, start looking for her? If I, do you want me to search this out and see if we can find her? And she said, yeah, try to find her. So I went into NamUs and put her into NamUs with the information that Peter gave me. I detected, I, you know, I called the detective down there and, in Wyoming and he opened up a case on her and come to find out that the place that Peter said she went missing from was not, she went missing from Granger, uh, Wyoming. And he was telling me big piney or green river, but we know now that it was Granger. And along with kind of looking into this actually, and a friend that you had never met and had never heard of, uh, a Denise Anderson, she actually had filed or had kind of like given a missing person inquiry as well. She filed a report down there in Wyoming that Kim was missing. And I wasn't aware of that until after I had reached out to the detectives. Right. Which just is wild to me that they wouldn't reach out to family to follow up on, you know, a, a missing person report. When I first reached out to them, they said, well, you know, it, we if we locate her, we can't make her contact you. We can tell her that family's looking for her, but we can't tell you where we, if we locate her, we can't tell you, we can, all we can tell you is that she's okay. Right. If, if we find her. And I thought, you know, they can't make, because they, they, they said sometimes people disappear and they don't want to be found. Well, that would not be Kim. Kim might have had her little disappearances but she would always reach out to family and so when you start digging into this right denise anderson when was her missing person report filed so she was last according to denise anderson she was last seen april 17th of 92 and denise reported her missing july 31st of 92 gosh okay wow and and you started looking into it around 20 2012 right January. Right. And and one of the things that I wanted to mention too, because I know I have a lot of listeners who, you know, obviously, you know, are interested in, in, and everything, but you said you had this really crazy experience from this woman calling you 
uh, this Janet woman is claiming to know where she that she knew where Kim was and was giving you kind of this bogus story. Right. So I when I put her out her name out in Namus, I was at work one day and I got a call from this lady. I don't know how she got my number, but I got a call from her. She told me your sister's alive. I know where she's at. She's been traveling between Texas and then I reached out to the detective and said, hey, you know, this Janet Franson person is calling me from around at Montana and she's telling me that Kim's alive and she knows where she's at. And they said, no, don't take her calls anymore. That she is, thinks that she's a detective, thinks that she knows, you know, she gives people false hope. Don't talk with her anymore. And so I had not talked to, I have not had any contact with her since then but that's so mean too how horrible to give you a false sense of hope yeah I was like oh my gosh this is the greatest news I've you know have received I'm so happy we're gonna find her she, you know she's gonna be home and yeah it was false that's so upsetting I'm I'm sorry that you had to go through that so the next part and and this is where it kind of gets a little intense and so the police are investigating your sister's case and they find a police report where your sister was actually a victim of a crime. Correct. All right. So let's get into that. And for the integrity of, of, of the situation, we're just going to refer to people as, as individuals. And so can you walk me through what the police shared in terms of that police report? Right. So my understanding is that Kim was employed at a bar I don't know if it was in Granger or where the bar was at, but she was working at a bar and supposedly some money came up missing from the bar and the bar owner accused Kim of taking the money. And I'm not saying Kim didn't take the money because it's very possible that she did because if Kim wanted something, that's how she was. She would take it. She was, if she wanted something, she would take it. She had sticky fingers. Um, And so supposedly he confronted Kim and um, assaulted her, beat her up pretty bad. Kim pressed charges against the individual. My understanding is that the individual went to jail. And when he got out, him and his friend met up with Kim. And that was the last they seen of Kim. So that's when, after Kim the last time they seen her, then I am assuming that that's when Peter reached out to me and went to Ron Tucker's house. And like we discussed earlier that her car was there, her stuff was there, but she wasn't and the carpets were replaced. So, or they weren't replaced. They were torn out. Right. Right. And so, so then one of the things that you told me to in the pre-interview is that one of the individuals who attacked Kim, their ex-partner came forward to police to report a crime, correct? Correct. The, one of the detectives had shared that the individual that owned the bar that um, him and his wife had divorced she had shared with the police that yes that Kim was they are the ones um, was responsible for Kim's disappearance so the police had I guess went and looked where this individual said that Kim was but they never found her 
Right. And and that's the thing, right? When we just have a story without evidence, it's just right. That's really unfortunate. Moving forward, it's been incredibly tough. And I I know that this has been hard on you and, and your family. And so I guess the, the next thing that I wanted to touch on. So I've also reached out to a psychic. Right. Yep. <clears throat> That's where I was getting to next is I was like, how did I work this question? And so, uh, yes. And so, right. And so I think you have this really beautiful story about, you know, reaching out to the psychic and, and it sounds like we actually have audio that we'll share later. Can you tell us about that experience? Yeah. So it's a little crazy because I have never done anything like this before in my life. And I was at work and the radio, local radio was saying, okay, at the end of the month, we're going to have a psychic on the radio for Halloween. Um, You know, some people have had, you know, good success with this. And if you ever are interested, you know, make sure to tune in to listen or just, you know, if you want, if you're one that wants to share you know, try to reach us. And the radio that I had in my office, I, I was in a cement building and the radio would come in some days and some days it wouldn't come in. I went to work that morning and it wasn't even paying attention to what day it was or anything and turned my radio on and it was Halloween. And they're like, if you want to get in touch with the psychic, you know, call, you know, you so say you do that, hurry up, call the phone number and see if you're the lucky one. And sure enough, I got in, I could not believe it. And I'm like, my heart was like, do I, do I do this or do I not do this? Do I do this or do I not do this? Um, because my family would probably not agree with this, but I did it. But before I got on the line, uh, the announcer guy came on and he's like, I said, before I even do this, what do I need to do? Because I don't want any hocus pocus false stuff. And he's like, all you need to do is tell them your name and the person that you want to reach out to. And so I told her, well, my name's Becky and I want to reach Kim, my sister, Kim. And it is amazing how truthful she could pick out stuff. I mean, as you'll hear, she says, well, there's a picture of you three girls. And that picture my dad had given me two months before this occurred. And she said, you walk by it every day. And I'm like, oh my God, how does she know that I have a picture of me and my older sisters in my living room and because I didn't tell her anything about Kim I just you know as it progressed she said I said well she's missing you know I have a detective working on it and she said well justice will be served you know Kim is is, you know she has a bunch of emotions and that's how Kim was she's very emotional person um but you'll you just have to listen to it it's it's crazy how real it is and she said you know justice will be served and justice will be served someday. Might not be here on earth, but it will be served. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, I definitely think that was one of those amazing, you know, just coincidences that I'm glad that you were able to have the opportunity to get that little bit of peace from the medium, from the psychic. Yeah. And so, what do you want listeners to know about your sister? I want them to know that she didn't deserve to have this done to her. Yeah, people make mistakes, but nobody deserves to take another person's life. And we love her very much. And 
we just want to bring her home. We want to put her to rest with my dad and my other sister. We just want her home. We're not looking to have anybody go to jail over it or anything else. We just want to have her home. And put closure to this. I can't imagine how hard this has been on you and your family. And, you know, I I really do hope that you get that, that you you get her home. And so from what I understand from our pre-interview, it sounds like there is an active investigation currently. And and where where are things there? Um, They just tell us that it's an active investigation. They're pursuing things. That's all they'll share with us. Well, it sounds like there's hope then. Hope. Yeah. That's all we have is hope. <laughs> right. It sounds like there's hope then. Good. Good. Is there any last things that you want to share with the audience? I would just say if anybody knows anything, please, please. You just All they have to do is report it anonymously. Just tell us where she's at. Absolutely. So we, so we can bring her home. And I'll definitely include how people can report anonymously. Um both in the show notes and uh, in the next segment too. Okay. Heather, did you want to include anything? Did you want to maybe share, you know, why you have decided to kind of jump in both feet into this with your, with your aunt? Wow. That's, (laughs) I really have jumped in both feet. Haven't I? You sure have. (laughs) You're incredible. (laughs) Um, So Becky's daughter uh, moved in with me. We, she was in the military um, in Alaska probably went around around 20, 2006, 2000, maybe, maybe 2008, somewhere around there. And she stayed with me for a couple years. And we talked about this case for a couple times around the campfire in Alaska. I mean, it's all you do is when it's cold, uh, you sit around the fire pit. Oh, and that's all you do is just sit around the fire pit and just talk. And we did. And, and we talked about a lot of things. And one thing that resonated with me was that, you know, my aunt through her daughter was very expressed expressive that you know she wanted to find her sister and my aunt and so when i moved to the lower 48 i after my grandfather passed away my aunt and i kind of reconnected and it just kind of tugged at my heart a little bit and i just kind of reached out to her and i said hey would it offend you if i looked into this a little bit more Because, you know, I miss my cousins, you know, they've been out of our life for I don't know how many years. Um, And it's because of my aunt being gone and, you know, a lot of other different circumstances. But at the end of the day, she's family and she deserves to come home. And so I thought if I've got the resources and if I can reach out and I know my aunt's done tremendous amount of work. I mean, my goodness, after digging into this, it was kind of crazy how much she'd known and how much work she'd done. But I think at the end of the day, it just, it meant more to me to bring closure to my family and try to help my aunt out and just try to, my grandmother's still living. She wants to know what happened to her daughter. My GMA means a lot to me and, and I, I, I just want to help out where I can. Well, thank you. And because I, I do, I think that the, the interesting experience I've had working with, with both of you is there, you've been such an amazing point person for, for all of this. And I can't remember, did I reach out to you or did you reach out to me? Uh, no, I did. You know, I saw the Facebook 
uh, thing on Wyoming Unidentified, it just kind of popped up. Uh-huh. And then I had reached out to one of the gals there that manages the Facebook post. And she says, um, I said, is there anything you can do? And I try to describe the case as accurately as I possibly could from, you know, talking with my aunt. And and she had indicated that you would be the best person to talk to to get this out, at least on the, um, at least for the podcast component. Right, right. And then we're also reaching out to a gal named Jennifer. I think you had put her in contact with us to do some sort of written piece that we right. can get out, things out in like in black and white for folks that perhaps may not be able to or am, and am aware of podcasts, things like this. So I, it, that's kind of what we're trying to do is reach out and just get our message out there to as many people as we possibly can. And without you guys, your guys's help, I, I just don't know how you would be able to do this without my aunt and I coming down there personally, which her and I have had plans to do several times, <laughs> but um, we've, we've kind of decided it. to let this play out as far as uh, these other um, avenues and these other venues that are available to us first before we kind of go down there and start rattling doors. Definitely. Well, I'm, I'm so, I'm so thankful that you reached out to you. Desiree, because it was it was Desiree who, who did give me your information. Right, it was, yeah. yeah. Now that now that my my memory has been a little bit jogged, I was like, oh, Desiree sent me this lead, and so I'm so happy that you reached out to Desiree. And and I, you know, I I just wish that every person who was going through something like this, you know, being in Becky's shoes, had a Heather. To yes. Them. And yes. so because it's it's hard to go through it alone, and there are a lot of people who do this alone. So Heather, that you're the MVP here. Well, my aunt is the only one with the voice here because she's the one with the memories. So without her, we wouldn't be here today. Well, and, you know, Heather has been a godsend because it seems like my trail was running dry and Heather got things back up and running. And Kim's been gone a long time. She's getting to be one of the old ones down there that haven't been returned. Yeah, no, this will be the oldest case that I cover so far. Yeah, it, it, it is. I and it feels weird because um, I was born in '87, so to you, I'm like I'm not I'm not that old, am I? And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's a little, it's getting a little old. And so it is. It, this will be one of the oldest cases that I cover. So and it, I it think is, that's I a, that's a good point to cover because I think that's one of the most frustrating things that I have encountered um, doing this on my aunt's behalf is that folks feel like just because it's so old, it's it's just hopeless. It's not hopeless. These people are still alive. They know what happened and the people that are connected with them know that what happened is, you know, they did, they did something, they did another family wrong. They did, they did three children wrong, two girls and a son. They did a family wrong, uh, three sisters wrong, and they did an entire family wrong. A mother, a father, cousins, uh, nieces, nephews, they took that away from her. They didn't have any right to do that. But I think what my aunt's asking is, is that, you know, we're not sitting out here trying to pin somebody to a tree. We're not going to hang you. But what we're asking is that you just bring our, bring our loved one home. We'll just tell us where she is. And, you know, that's all we want. We, we need to bring peace to our family. We need closure. Absolutely. And I hope that, I hope I get a phone call soon from y'all to tell me that you are getting it. So I hope so too. That'd be such a blessing. It definitely.
And folks, as promised, I do have that recording with Becky and the medium. Here it is now. 107 The Mighty Mo. It is 820 at The Mighty Mo Morning Show. On the line, we have uh, psychic medium Marissa Ryan. And now joined by Stacy. How are you today, Stacy? I'm oh, sorry, Becky. Becky. I'm good. Hi, Becky. Uh, Becky, so uh, say hi to Marissa and tell her who you'd like to communicate with today. Hi, Marissa. Uh, I'd like to communicate with my sister, Kim. Wonderful. Okay, great. Thanks, Becky. Welcome to the show. And let me go ahead and see if I can get her to come through. Hold on a second. I worked on this a little bit on the break, and I believe this is her. Um, actually, she's here with, um, I think there's like a, a grandfather grandfather or an older gentleman there that's also with her okay she wants you to know she's not alone um i gotta tell you when i when i pulled your sister in um the first thing is she got very emotional oh my god i bet very emotional like she is it's over and she's in so excited that you're doing this um it, she does say that she goes, there's some family members that would not understand this kind of thing at all. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> but she's very excited, and she's very connected to you, and um, I'm trying to get her to break the emotion so she can communicate. Uh, I have to tell you a couple things right off the bat. She said, did you get the picture of me? And what she's talking about is she is around you and your family and all the family a lot, and you can actually see her in pictures if you take pictures. She said you've already seen a picture where there was like a big ball of light, and I, that's her. Okay, I, I don't know what that is. Okay, you need to go through pictures because she's saying that she's showing up in the pictures, which is common. Spirits will show up as called a spirit orb, and that's her. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple things. Now, when I asked her how she died, um, this is when she got emotional. It was very emotional for her um, because she feels like she had to leave so many people. Yes. And um, she just said there were no goodbyes. I don't know if she doesn't want anyone to think there's a goodbye. Like, she's not gone. Right. And it's hard. I got to tell you, it's really hard to communicate with her because she's so emotional. It's like happy emotion, sad emotion. She she really feels like she, there's a part of her that was upset, like she was kind of ripped off. You know what I mean? Yes. Like she really wanted to stick around. She had, now where's, who has the young boy? My other sister. Okay, because she's talking about something about she just watched the young boy do something very, very, amazing i don't know what he did or if there's like a sport thing or something but she's just watching everybody like participate in life but for some reason she connects to you the closest and she says she's trying so hard to recapture life through you so please she goes make it fun oh that's crazy she's all about fun yeah she was she was okay and she has a really good sense of humor okay um she doesn't like to talk about her death to me, um, but she says that she felt it was it was quick. Um, she calls it a tragedy, even though it was. It's just it, I can't explain it. Like she just feels like she didn't have a chance to say goodbye. She was murdered, and we've never found her body. Mm. Okay, she's just. I mean, this. I think this is why she doesn't want to talk about it because it's very emotional it's very that's whole all i know is she says to tell you 
she says sister. Did she ever be something Kimmy? Her name was Kim. Okay. She said to tell you um, that she didn't feel any pain. Um, I have to tell you, I feel like she knew the person who did this. Yes. And she didn't feel any pain and that she says she will be found. Something about they, they're going to find me or something like that. And, um, and then she said justice will happen. Okay? okay? Not to worry something about there will be justice. And then she said something even about a confession. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay? And um, she said don't lose sleep over this. Okay, she does. She feels like you're, like almost like you're trying to re- reenact what you think happened. Well, we are trying to. I mean, I'm working with a detective trying to find her. Okay, she just wants she she doesn't want you to lose sleep over this. Okay. Okay, like it's really important that you. She wants you to move forward with your life. She knows that you want closure. You are going to have closure. She wants closure because she's. She's, like I said, she's kind of pissed off. <laughs> okay? She okay. does. She feels like she was ripped off. And most people that pass of other circumstances don't feel that way. She does. Okay. Okay. But at the same time, she says, man, it's amazing here. Oh, great. She's like, it's just fantastic. Good. And then, do you understand there's a picture of the three girls? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. She just said, that picture of the three of you is so important to her. Oh, my. And she talks about it like it's somewhere right where you can see it. I feel like you don't have to open a book. No, my dad just gave it to me, and it's in my living room. I, he just gave, I got it like probably two months ago, and I have it in my living room. Okay. She's, this is super important for her. She absolutely loves it because she says best of times. <laughs> yeah. That's how she says it, best of times. She actually thinks she grew up in a wonderful family. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, she says, she goes, oh, we had a little bit of dysfunction, but not like most people. <laughs> a lot. She's, she's really being great there because we had a lot. Yeah. She's, well, she's being funny. <laughs> she wants to kind of joke around about it. But I have to tell you, she really loves you. She loves you. She, she doesn't miss you as far as she's around you all the time now. She does miss being there physically. She misses all the things that she knows she's not going to get to do. And she, she really feels sad that this has caused so much pain for her family. Okay. Okay? But she wants you to know she's not gone. You need to, you've already talked to her. She says you speak to her, you've talked to her out loud in your thoughts, and she's answering you back. So you need to pay attention. Okay. Okay? Right. Becky, thank you for calling. You're very courageous to do that, and we appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. And Marissa, thanks again. We, we're going to have some more callers here coming up. Uh, Marissa's website is marissaryan.com, M-A-R-I-S-A-R-Y-A-N.com. And although we do this on Halloween morning, I just want to uh, make sure that we stress that we do not take this light day at all. We don't take it. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a joke. It's not a. It's not a. It, it, you know, we've have very serious people like Becky that just called here. And uh, if I didn't think it did folks like Becky a lot of good, I would not do this at all with Marissa. But I think it does uh, some great things for him. And uh, Marissa, I'm sure you run into that all the time. This is about healing. The work I do is all about healing, and it, that's it. And it, the reason Halloween is so appropriate to do it, I mean, I do this every single day of the year, but mm-hmm. it's, the veil is a little thinner at Halloween for some reason, and it's not the holiday. It's the time of year. There's something about 
astrology-wise, that it's actually a little bit thinner. So it's just really great to do this because it does. It provides so much healing. And messages will go out to your listeners through these calls. Other, your listeners may have a relative trying to get a message to them through these calls. So it's important for them to really listen because spirit will use spirit to talk. Well, we are going to take some more callers if you'd like to uh, reach uh, Marissa this morning and uh, to uh, to do exactly what we've been doing, to communicate with your deceased loved ones. All you have to do is call 443-1073 or toll-free 877-MO-107-FM. We're going to get another caller and be right back with more of Marissa Ryan, Psychic Medium, on the Mighty Mo Morning Show. Is the season. Kimberly K. Novak, age 32, was last seen on July 3rd, 1990 in Sublet County, Wyoming. She is a white female, approximately 5'4", with green eyes, brown hair, and a mole on the right side of her face near her nose. Anyone with information on Kimberly is requested to contact the Sweetwater County Sheriff's Office at 307-922-5300 or the Wyoming Division of Criminal Investigation, DCI, at 307-777-7181. And remember, you can submit tips anonymously through their website. Good afternoon, Desiree. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. A little over the rainy weather, though. I feel like we live in Seattle versus Wyoming. Yeah, it's been a lot to get used to. There's been a lot of flooding <laughs> happening lately. Um, it's going to make for a heck of a fire season, I'm sure. But it's it's really green and pretty and lush and not at all like what we're used to in Wyoming. No, I mean, I don't even need lotion. What is that all about? <laughs> Well, what cases do you have for us this week? Sure. So uh, the Cheyenne Police Department asked for assistance via Facebook in identifying a nonverbal juvenile, and they were identified shortly later. The parents of two separate juveniles are asking for assistance in locating them on the Missing People of Wyoming group. Jade Kazara was reported missing on July 2nd in Lander. She has severe epilepsy and does not have her medication at this time. Christopher Milder was reported missing July 3rd in Casper. You can find more information regarding both of these cases on the Missing People of Wyoming Facebook group. Ten cases have been removed from DCI's database, and four cases have been added. Serenity Craft, age 17, was last seen in Washakie County, Wyoming, on June 29th. She's a white female, approximately 5'2", 135 pounds, with blonde hair and brown eyes. She was last seen wearing blue jeans and a red t-shirt. She may be traveling in a red van to Wheatland or Cheyenne with a male. Anyone with information, please contact the Washakie County Sheriff's Office at 307-347-2242. Tatum Withrow, age 14, was last seen June 25th in Lander. He's a white male, approximately 5'6", 125 pounds, with brown hair and eyes. Anyone with information, please contact the Lander Police Department at 307-332-3131. Martha Potter, age 28, was last seen in Mills on June 23rd. She's a white female, approximately 5'5", 130 pounds, with blonde hair and blue eyes. She was last seen wearing faded blue jeans, a green Papa John's t-shirt, and black Converse's. She has several tattoos on her arms, hands, and chest. Anyone with information, please contact the Mills Police Department at 307-266-4796.
Ruby Hug Santos, age 26, was last seen in Cheyenne on June 16th. She's a white female, approximately 5'1", 140 pounds, with hazel eyes and brown hair. It is unknown what she was wearing when she was last seen, but she may be headed to Casper. Anyone with information, please contact the Laramie County Sheriff's Office at 307-637-6524. And of course, with all cases, you can contact Wyoming DCI at 307-777-7181. They also have the option to submit tips anonymously on their website. Awesome, Desiree. Thank you so much for those updates. Thanks for joining me again this week, folks. One of the things that I wanted to share while covering this case is a fantastic article that Jen Coker wrote in regards to another missing person case that I'll hopefully be covering in the next couple of weeks. And I'll have this article linked in the show notes, but she shares some statistics in here that I think are pretty dire. And so Kim is one of 84 missing people listed on the Wyoming Department of Criminal Investigations missing person database dating from July 6th of 2023 to April of 1974. In a 2019 survey by Vivint, a home security company, Wyoming was ranked the seventh state nationwide with the most missing people at 7.8 per 100,000 reported missing. In 2021, Wyoming law enforcement reported 533 missing person cases, according to a report by the Wyoming Survey and Analysis Center. During the first seven months of 2022, an additional 486 people were reported missing, the report stated. 25% of those cases in 2021 were cleared by law enforcement the same day they were entered into NCIC, while an additional 55 were cleared within the week. So that means that although we're getting that large number of 486, a lot of them are then, you know, reported runaways or, you know, just kind of miscommunication amongst family members, but still. With what we have currently reported into the DCI database, it's a lot of people. And Kim being one of the older cases. So think about that. What can we do better? How can we help? And listening, sharing these stories is one way we can do that to bring awareness to these older cases. And so you heard Becky and Heather. They want closure. Thank you for joining me this week. Don't forget, you can find the flyer on the Facebook page as well as on www.unsolvedwyomingpodcast.com. Until next week.